Welcome back to the Datapreneur podcast. This year we have great plans and we hope you continue watching the show and learn something new each episode. Today I will be interviewing Matt Rabin. Matt's analytics career began in 2004 and over the years he's learned and developed his analytical and leadership skills at a handful of companies while making his way up the corporate ladder. He believes the world needs more analytical thinkers so he founded PMB Analytics with the intent to change the world through data one analyst at a time Now as a VP in the space he mentors passionate analytics professionals and creates courses and content that greatly benefits people new to the field He has previously worked as the director of financial planning and analysis at a couple companies and truly understands the financial part of the business So hi Matt how are you doing today I'm good good to be here So how did you get into the field of data data analytics uh, can you could you talk a little about your educational background Yeah no definitely it's it's a question i get a lot just because i think uh people people these days and with the explosion of the field in analytics there's a lot of people who come out and they're like i want to be an analyst wasn't like that for me. I I graduated college in 2004, right? So that was 18 years ago. All I knew at that time was that I liked money and numbers. So that's why I was a finance grad. Like that was the thing. There were no analytics options at the time. And uh after doing running a couple of internships, testing out a couple of different areas of work, I ended up going to work for a commercial bank doing lending because it was the closest thing that I could find to an analysis, right? So I was analyzing financial statements to evaluate for risk and make sure that these these companies that needed funds were uh worthy of investment effectively is what you're doing when you're giving them a loan. So I got into the field through finance and it was a a loan analyst role and then over time after grad school I came in as a financial analyst but the way that it was done at the company that I went into uh, it was Travelocity they're a very data rich organization website lots of traffic lots of products the financial analysts were sort of a centralized hub where any department could come and ask questions so that was really how it evolved for me was getting in there thinking i was going to do a lot of like financial planning and building budgets there that was part of it for sure but there was this whole other world out there where marketing needed help evaluating this change they made on the website or uh you got the product team that wants to build something and they need to evaluate hey is this going to be worth the dollars we're going to throw at it so that was really how things began for me it was just like being an internal consultant helping grab data to support decision making in its purest form and it was a really i was fortunate that that's where i got my start and that was many many moons ago so now here i am 16 plus years in the game and it's all the rage so it's super fun super cool to see how the field evolved um 
right so you started at the very beginning so you sort of saw all the transition you know from basically just analyzing data and i think uh, earlier it used to be called business intelligence or decision intelligence or something like that so you saw it evolve from that to what it is now and it's transformed into so many more fields there's machine learning artificial intelligence so what are your thoughts about that i think we're just finding it's it's getting so big right it started and it was just a couple of people in an organization and i think through the natural process of creativity innovation um, curiosity all of those things like all of these different pathways opened up doesn't mean that they didn't exist in the past i, I want to give credit to like the ogs of data science and all these other fields that they've actually been around for quite some time but for the typical organization those terms were not a thing it was all just like there's an analyst or there's an analytics department or something like that and as those questions started getting more sophisticated they required more sophisticated tools started branching out and the the bench strength in analytics teams just started to get deeper and deeper and naturally people started to go deeper into their niche so uh, i was asked an interesting question the other day like when did I choose or how did I choose analytics over data science? It's like, it was never a decision. It didn't, that wasn't, I didn't reach a crossroads and decide I'm gonna go this path or this path. No, I was in analytics and I got to do all sorts of super cool stuff. And it got to the point where I just kept getting promoted and ultimately I'm leading teams at this point, part of the strategic discussions, part of, hiring people and building out the teams and seeing the needs and building that out uh data science wasn't really a thing when that fork opened up for me right uh at least not in a in the sense that we see today so my thoughts on it are i think it's fantastic i think it's super cool to see i think it's only going to continue to evolve and at some point it's going to start or it already has started uh having implications back to the roots where you know, things like automation and machine learning is going to heavily influence um, what analysts do on a day-to-day -day basis. Because where the value, the value that is brought from analysts is up here. It's what they, they do and they think and poke on, things like that. What they end up spending a lot of time on are things that are not necessarily value add in a pure sense. And so I'm excited for the future where all of these other just offshoots start to come back and bolster the foundation that the analysts stand on so that they can do more intelligent work. Right. So, uh, yeah, about automation, I think it's going to make um, the work of analysts so much easier because, you know, stuff like getting data, processing it, uh, cleaning raw data, stuff like that doesn't really require a lot of brain. That's just, you know, groundwork. And I think if that stuff can be automated, that would be uh, so much better for data analysts to be so much more efficient at their job. I, I do not disagree. I think there's, there's a fear. Everyone's afraid of change to some extent, right? We all say that we embrace change, but then when change happens, it's scary, right? But with, when it comes to automation, that's, all, that's a very common question where people are like, do you think automation is going to replace analysts and things like that. And it's like, no, if you're bringing value and you're able to leverage automation tools and technology to 
bring more value, then you shouldn't have anything to worry about. Now, if you're stuck at some level where all you do is a very rudimentary task um, that is repeatable, I mean, number one, I question, what are you doing? Number two, I would say that you need to focus on um, bolstering that tool set and your skill set so that you can kind of get ahead of the curve. Otherwise, you're going to get left behind. Yeah, definitely. And uh, because as we've mentioned before, data science is an ever-changing ever field. So how would you suggest one to keep updating their skills, keep learning about what's going on in the field of data science? Stay engaged. Uh, I'm a huge, huge fan of LinkedIn. I think it, it opens up <clears throat> for all the crap it gets. Uh, and a lot of it is justified, but there's there's a lot of good that happens on LinkedIn. And I think in the data sphere in particularly, there's a lot of super supportive people. There's a lot of uh, very, I don't even know how to say, passionate people who are very keen to share the latest tools, technology, strategies. There's people who are new, who are sharing their struggles, their, their challenges. And the more of that that we all see, I think the more that we all get better, we all improve. I see it's it's sort of like um, an organization is a microcosm of what you're seeing out on LinkedIn. It's like we're all one big organization talking through different different facets of the organization. What's going on over here? What's going on over there? So if you stay tuned, uh, attuned to what's going on in the field, you can do that by following certain people. Um, just basically homing in on a good feed, the people you follow, the people you connect with, and then ultimately your own engagement. Uh, don't think that your voice doesn't matter. Any perspective that you bring does have value. It's just going to be a matter of finding out where that is to have the most impact. Right. So um, networking is definitely important. From uh, This is what I've understood from that. And yeah. uh, LinkedIn is one important way of networking with people in your field, reaching out to different people. You know, we can just cold uh, email someone from, you can get the email from LinkedIn, reach out to them. So what other platforms would you say a, uh, a data scientist should be aware of? Ooh, that's a, that's a good question. So I'm, <clears throat> I encourage uh, people to get engaged in places like there's Reddit. There's a lot of subreddits. Uh, if you're careful where you go, uh, you can find anything you want on Reddit. Uh, I would encourage people to focus on the areas where um, you feel the best about yourself. So when I go to Reddit, I tend to focus on the analytics. There's sub subs uh, on analytics. There's Excel. Um, there's data science. There's Python. There's all, like anything that you can think of. There's a subreddit, and within those subreddits, there's people who are so passionate about it that you can go in there and you can interact and engage and have uh, healthy and not so healthy debates. It just depends on what you want, right? So that's definitely a place where you can go and find anything. There's also a lot of Discord servers, Slack channels, things like that that are popping up. Um, and I would encourage people to check those out. And you can find out all about a lot of those just by going around on YouTube and searching for people, seeing what, what's going on in the comments, checking out profiles, even TikTok. There's stuff blowing up and, and 
data and analytics and uh, tech in general, if you want it, you can find it. There's a lot of places. It doesn't just have to be on LinkedIn. Right. Thank you for sharing all these um, platforms. So I know I wanted to talk a little about your experience of working um, in financial planning and financial analysis. So you've you, um, worked in that field for a major part of your career. So could you summarize like a few of your learnings and like how data is useful in financial analysis and stuff like that? Yeah. I am very openly biased that finance is such a valuable place for people to get their start. And the reason that I promote that thinking is if you understand how the business makes money, then people, people will take what you say more seriously when you have that perspective. So what I mean by all of this is, and this doesn't have to be accomplished through the financial channel. This is something that I promote now that I'm sort of like, I still support finance, but I support all the other organizations. Not everybody's going to come in the door through finance anymore. They're going to come in through any number of doors that might not even be a business field, to be sure. And I think some incredible analysts come from fields outside of business. Just want to state that very clearly. But, and Al Bellamy just made a post about this, I think just yesterday, but the quicker you can figure out the business model of the organization that you're in, the quicker you can start to add value. So what finance did for me was very clearly and at the most detailed level allowed me to see any business unit that I worked for. And I've worked for several businesses and different industries. Where's the revenue coming from? What are the drivers of revenue? What are the products? How, how is volume attributed? What customers are, are out there and what is their product mix? What are our margins, both directly and at, at the full level? Um, and then just operationally, what are the big cost centers? Where are we spending our money? Is marketing our engine? Are we more sales team centric? So just understanding. This is where the revenue comes in. This is what drives all of the revenue numbers. This is what drives all the cost numbers. And this is how we make money as a business. And if you're not making money as a business, you're either not healthy or you're in some high growth area where nobody cares. They're just trying to crank up EBITDA. Separate discussion. But in general, what finance has done for me is given me that perspective of financial health of an organization and financial mindset of, okay, you want this thing, but what is that going to do for the business? I understand it's important for you. Let's, let's explore what are the soft benefits? What are the hard benefits? Helping people to reframe their thinking so that they can speak the language of the people that they're ultimately asking for resources from. That's the deal is you've got marketing over here, just like, I need marketing dollars. Okay, fine. That's great. You've got an excellent business case, but you're not articulating it correctly. So let's make sure that we can put the right words out there so that the CFO is going to approve this. That's it. That's how, that's how uh, cooperation starts to happen when everybody's speaking the same language and we're all on the same, same uh, view set that, hey, we're, we're ultimately here. If you've read the book, The Goal, it's all about making sure that the company's profitable. We're making a profit. 
all decisions need to ultimately work their way back up to that. Right. I think that's really insightful because at the end of the day, unless the business is non-profit, money is the driving factor for almost all of the actions. And if you can understand that, then you can add a lot more value, like you mentioned. So um, then from uh, working as a financial plan, uh, analyst, you transitioned into starting your own um, CPA firm, uh, VBCG and Co, if I'm not wrong. So, uh, and then you sold that. So how was that experience and what, what did you learn from that? I learned a lot. It was, uh, it was definitely, I, I'm not someone who has a lot of regrets and I don't regret anything that was done there. I see it as one of the larger learning opportunities of my career. And uh, I think what I would like to share about that whole experience was number one, I was, I was not happy with my corporate job. So I was going to be doing something one way or another. And I was not in a place I had, I had two back-to-back generally negative corporate experiences. So I was ready to sort of like step out and just, you know what, I need to clear my head. I want to do something on my own. And what that ended up being was a CPA firm. And the, the whole shtick of the CPA firm was that I'm not a CPA. Uh, I am an analytics professional, corporate finance professional. So by me partnering with CPAs, we could bring a very comprehensive, high value offering to small to mid-sized businesses that they couldn't afford uh, otherwise. Like you can't, you can't hire someone like me if you've got a small organization. It just doesn't make sense. No matter how much value I may add, there's only so much that can that we can do. Same thing with having a, a full-time CPA working in the in the team. So our whole thing was like, hey, we're going to go after these guys, offer them a, a steal of a deal. They can pay us a monthly fee and then we can do their books. We can provide reporting. We can add additional insights and, and a lot of value for their time. And it was working. So I left my job. I was driving things we were building up and uh, it got to a point where I needed help and I needed uh, support from the other partners involved. And at the end of the day, the decision was made that they weren't ready to step off and take that risk. And I respect that. I, it's, it wasn't for everyone. Obviously, I wish that I had known that before, but none of us did. We, we all learned that, that together. So uh, we all parted ways. I was left with a CPA firm. And then I uh, rekindled a, a friendship with a CPA that I've known for quite some time who ultimately bought the the book. And now I support him actually as sort of like part of my side hustle is supporting him in maintaining some of those, those relationships and helping him build more, building more comprehensive reporting capabilities for his own CPA firm. So it ended up great. And it's, it's a fun little side hustle that I've continued to maintain. And from that, that was sort of the impetus for creating TMB analytics. So once the CPA firm was gone, I still wanted, I still had value. I felt that I had to bring. And so I stood up this thing initially thinking that it would be sort of corporate uh, consulting. 
but then COVID hit. So I don't want to get too, I'm rambling a lot. So I want to give you the opportunity to maybe ask another question, but that's, that's the punchline of what happened with UBCG. No, I think you were going in the perfect direction. I was just about to ask you, how did that lead you to start another analytics firm? And, you know, so if you want to continue, please feel free. For sure. Yeah. So what ended up happening was when, when the, the CPA firm was, was bought, uh, it was clear that there was still something that I could do to contribute to the process and then some. So this, this guy, the CPA that I work with, he just said, you know, we should just stand you up another business. So I, I spun this thing up and that's what I'm, I'm on retainer with him, uh, supporting him and the businesses. But then COVID hit and pre-COVID, something that I haven't really talked about is that I've, I had historically been very involved with my alma mater. Um, I went to Fresno State and I would regularly mentor students, uh, help them. Uh, I even offered some internships in the past and I'd, get, I'd run workshops. I've done guest lecturing, guest speaking, all sorts of engagements. And then COVID hit, all of that stuff just dried up. But I was sitting on so much content, so much, so many lessons and talks and things. And I thought, then this is really good stuff. And I feel like it shouldn't just go stale on, you know, in a pile somewhere. I should package this and see if there's something I can do with it. And then I started to do that. And then I started doing research at the same time and realizing like, oh man, these people's YouTube channels are blowing up. Uh, online uh, learning is getting huge. And I'm like, I better, I better get on this if, if I'm serious about it. So I just spun up a really quick program, uh, an analyst career foundations course that I threw up on Udemy. And it was super cool. And I realized like, man, this is really fun. I enjoy this. I like um, fun fact flashback in high school, like a couple of my friends, like we were all just like nerds. And on weekends, we'd go record stuff and film. And now one of my friends, he's like professional level I'll call him a cinematographer. I don't know if that's what he'd consider himself, probably. And uh, so having that background, being comfortable in a camera, comfortable speaking, that came in really handy as I started to make this transition to creating content, doing a lot of these other things. And so that Udemy course planted the seed. And then I started building out this vision for what could be TMB analytics, not just corporate consulting, but like helping people who want to get into this exploding field here of analytics. So I started thinking back to all the things that I wish had been in place when I was from being a student to like career transition points to getting promoted and all of the things. And so that's what I've been doing is working really hard at building a program that's a little different than what is out there today. And I say a little different because it's been a land grab. Anybody who's paying attention to this space, man, you've got people out there with two years of experience who are putting out master classes. It's crazy to me. <laughs> and so I'm sitting here on like mountain, a decade and a half plus of experience at all different levels and multiple organizations with different business models. I'm like, there's value here. I want it to be as realistic as possible. I've built teams, I've led teams. I want to treat people who go through my programs like a coworker, like an analyst who's working with me to solve problems. 
So that's how I've set up my program so far is that, hey, I'm not only teaching you the skills, I'm giving you the insights and direction, but by the way, there's this practicum and I'm gonna pretend that I'm you know, the company CFO and I'm asking you to go in and dig into this thing. And then I'm gonna help walk you through that. So dirty data, unclear questions, like kind of open-ended ambiguous type stuff. It's different, but it's honestly where I believe real learning happens that can be transferable anywhere. It's not just sterile, do this, then do that, and ta-da, you're done. That's, that's fine. That's not the way that I'm trying to do things. Well, that's definitely a great approach to you know sharing what you've learned over the past decade and a half. And I'm sure that is really valuable to someone out there a lot of people out there who are trying to enter the field of finance or analytics, you know, have a similar career path. So I think that's a great initiative. That concludes the first episode with Matt Bratton. Stay tuned for some exciting questions and I will see you soon. Thank you.